Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain. This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Hey, everybody. Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. We are going to... I've started doing that lately, though. As I listen to the edits, I'm always going, welcome, welcome. I don't know what that's all... I have no (laughs) idea what that's all about. I don't know. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about mental health and millennial employees and a lot of the goodness that's come out of that and some other things. But first... But first... Time for a fantastic factoid. Yes! Oh, it's so good. Okay, and the source of this is I'm making it up as I go.com. <laughs> Just joking. Pew Research. And I know... Pew, pew, pew. pew That's pew. a good one. Yes. Okay, here we go. Millennials may be responsible for breaking down mental health barriers, recognizing and talking openly about them, which is great, but they are more susceptible than other generations to mental health issues. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum, dum. So, Becky, tell us, what is the age range of millennials or the dates of millennials? Yeah, Becky, do that. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't see that we were skipping a paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) We're just keeping it real here at Shrink Wrap. That's right. So, depending on where you look, it's uh, people born between 1981 and 1994, some places say 1996, and um, some knowledge we just learned shortly before going on air or recording is there's Gen Y.1. And now I can't remember what I said. Those guys are like 25 to 29. Mm-hmm. And then Gen Y.2, or as one person at the table says, the better generation. Oh. The more refined version <laughs> of Gen Y. So I was born in the year of our Lord, 1984. <laughs> Which uh, makes oh me God, that makes me a hundred thirty seven years old, and so I am technically lumped into this millennial age group. Which, but I I don't feel like I'm responsible for the entitled like bullshit that is yeah. all of this like millennial. It millennials has turned into like a not a political word, but it's like a it's like a thing, and I I do feel like they get a bad rap. I did. Yeah. In fact, I really, and I, and I told Fran this, I wanted to find a different title for it because I feel like millennial has such a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. there, it really, that is what it is. Right. And there so are so Get over your negative connotations, people. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many good things about them. Yes. Just let me, hang on a minute. I need a minute because I'm like traumatized because Brody, you said you were born in 1984? The year of our Lord, 1984. Oh, my God, you guys. I graduated from high school in 1984. High school was 2003, and college was 2006. Oh, God. Anyway, okay. So many kids by that time, didn't we? Uh, So I do want to say that millennials, like today, we're talking ages 25 to 40. That's the age range. Current ages. Yes, Yes. current ages. Thank you. Their mental health has worsened since the pandemic, which, I mean, is true for just about all of us. Right. 92% of them, um, according to the Pew Research Center, say that the pandemic negatively impacted their mental health, which, I mean, I feel like that's a lot ball. Like Dropping the hard knowledge on that one. Yeah. Right. Like, let's talk about who didn't get impacted, and then that would be a shorter podcast. Uh, yeah. Very yeah. true. Very true. But we're focusing today on millennials. Just, and- how, just how they like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
ain't kidding for you guys. You millennials one of my there, many am, Karen statements for the day. Oh my god, I'm on your side. I am on the millennial side. Okay. <laughs> so because I have an adult child who is a millennial, so and on the young end of that spectrum, so I'm going to be I'm T millennial. Okay. Five point one. Yes, millennials feel their jobs have an outside role in their overall mental health, and they have issues with like the long work hours, stagnant wages. It means for them a higher rate of burnout than other generations. And many of them, you know, their mental health issues have really led to them leaving the workforce. They've quit Mm -hmm. their jobs over it because I don't think the sense of like – this is an age thing. Mm-hmm. Sense of loyalty to jobs. Like when I oh, that's in, long right, gone. Yeah, that it, you. I was taught, and this kind of goes back to what Brody, his mom, taught him. But it's like you don't leave a job until you have another job. Right. If you don't like your job, that's too bad. That's part of like the dues you have to pay until you get the education and you get the job that you deserve, right. or blah blah blah. The morals and values are very different. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying it's a very different time. I will stand behind don't get a different job or don't leave your job until you have another one lined up because Mm -hmm. that's how you pay your rent. Right. But if that's a month after you started job A, you found a better job at job B, I guess go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A Blue Cross Blue Shield report from 2019 found millennials are... This is depressing, you guys. Their physical and mental health is declining at a faster rate than Gen X as they age. With treatment, okay, now listen to this. This is scary. With treatment, millennials could see a 40% uptick in mortality compared with Gen Xers of the same age without treatment. Sorry. I was going to say. I was so confused there for a second. God. But yeah, I mean, that's a high. That is. That is very high, and that's concerning. And again, we're always going to talk about the connection between mental health issues and physical issues. Because it's real. It is real. Deny it all you want to, but it is real. Yeah. And this is a manifestation of that for sure. And so what are we seeing? We're seeing rises in rates of depression, hyperactivity like anxiety or ADHD, and substance abuse. Um, And that is, they're calling it a key factor in the health shock among millennials, according to the report. Health shocks, as defined by the World Health health organization are unpredictable illnesses that diminish your health status. I have never heard of that. Term. I have never heard of that either. Sounds no. like a millennial term. Oh, God. Brody <laughs> That's is, from a millennial, yes. so it's okay. Yep, but exactly. he's, the, he's a grandpa millennial. <laughs> he's an, I'm sorry. He's an OG millennial. <laughs> Refined version 2.0. They work the kinks out. Oh, oh jeepers. So millennials, what we're finding are dying of deaths of this And these are often related to like suicide, alcohol, drug overdoses. And the most common death of despair was drug overdoses. And that to me, does that surprise you guys or with opioids and all of that? I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. It does. The other thing I think of too is a generation of um, fast gratification And so we're not used to waiting for gratification. And what gives you fast gratification? Mm -hmm. Drugs. Right. And relieves boredom, makes you not depressed. Right. Short term, Mm -hmm. not recommending it. Right, exactly. But I'm just thinking like this kind of, you know, the way millennials are, obviously parenting had a lot to do with that, right? Because how people parented millennials was a lot different than how at least you and I, I don't know about Brody. Yeah. 
but he was, yeah, yeah. how we were parented. I think that made a difference because I think that when women decided to go into the workforce, thank God, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them felt a lot of guilt about that. And they right. felt like, well, we're not home raising our kids. And so we want to be super moms and we want to be nice to them. We want to be their friends. We want to do it all and be it all. Yeah. And I think those kids had different parenting than a generation before. Well, and I think it goes back to, you know, not Brody, but when you and I were kids, you found ways to entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you really could get a, a a stick and a rock. Okay, that might be an over-exaggeration, <laughs> but... You really did. You went outside and you just found ways to entertain yourself. You made crap up. You played ghost in the graveyard. You played kick the can. You played whatever. Um, And now it's just so much more, I think, again, going back to that faster gratification, like everything's done for you. I don't know. What do you think? I'm pulling this out of my hiney. No. I mean, when I was growing up, seriously, I was outside from I, I ate food for breakfast. Yeah. I was outside from morning until night until the fireflies started lighting outside. Then I knew I was supposed to come home. Mm-hmm. Do you think my mom was in there or any parents were like, we feel so guilty. We're not reading stories. We're not doing quality time. It's mm. like, look, we fed you. Yep. You've got clothing. You're, you got kids in the neighborhood. You're good. Yeah. There was not guilt, parental guilt mm, or maternal no. guilt about that. Yeah. They felt like we... You know, we don't need to entertain you. That's mm-hmm. that's not our job. Because if you think of it from their point of view, they're actually providing way more than probably they were provided, probably, right? Maybe. Especially in our neck of the woods. I mean, I think of, you know, my dad growing up on the farm. We were just talking about this um, over the weekend that in their farmhouse, um, the girls in the wintertime slept on the main floor. Because that's that you were closer to the heat. Mm-hmm. He and his brother slept upstairs where there was no right. heat. But of course, they had the homemade down blankets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I don't see Grandma Hulda going, oh, Darwin, I'm so sorry. You have to sleep upstairs with no heat. Right. I see her going, well, you're really lucky that you have a house. Mm-hmm. So then you come, my dad. You get you have heat in every room of your house, Becky. Like, what are you complaining about? Right, it's a whole. Not that he thing. said that, but yeah. yeah. No, I remember my mom very clearly saying, "I had three dresses: one to wash, one to wear, and one to dry." And I was like, mind blown. Like, yeah. what? Mm-hmm. Three dresses, yeah. and I, you guys, I have to tell this story because it makes I just can't freaking believe it. it. Makes me so freaking sad. But my nana, you know, the five foot nana, who yeah. whatever. She was extremely tight with money, extremely. And my mom had her first dance at school. And so back in the day, there was like Montgomery Wards, right? Oh, my dad worked at Montgomery Wards. Yeah. Yeah. And so my Nana surprised my mom and took her to the store. And she said, you can pick any dress you want to go to the dance. Oh, wow. I know. And my mom was just like, what? She had never had a new dress ever. Mm-hmm. So she looked around the store and there was this beautiful blue dress, beautiful. And she's like, I have to have that. So she tried it on and Nana, who never gives compliments, said, mm-hmm. Sandra, you look beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Aww. So she gets all ready for the dance <clears throat> and she walks across the street in her beautiful new dress and Angel Lynn is the neighbor girl. Mm-hmm. She goes up the steps, rings the doorbell because they're going to walk like the high school's a couple blocks away. They're going to walk together. So anyway, the dad opens the door and he's like, yeah, Angelin is coming. And he said, oh, back away from the banister. I just painted the banister. (gasps) No. So my mom turns around and on the back of her beautiful dress is a black 
line. Where I feel that, like crying right I know, now. I know it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And she mm-hmm. goes, no, I ran home bawling and Nana spent the night trying to get that, scrub that out of the dress. But she said, I was so upset. I didn't go to the dance. Oh, she didn't hard. turn it into a Mentos situation where she can just like make other lines going down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a straight dress. No. <laughs> that was it. That was that it. That is heart-wrenching. Yeah. So, okay, let's get back to the 2019 information, yes, Becky. Ma'am. Go for it. Okay. So, um, do you want to talk about the 2025 information? Before? Let's do that. Okay. Let's do that. So, millennials will comprise, this is a big number too, 75% of the workforce And since mental health issues may be correlated with physical health issues like diabetes, heart disease, and Crohn's disease, what do you think is going to happen to productivity? Mm, 75% of the workforce. When you're running for the bathroom, it's hard to be productive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. But this should alarm employers. I mean, this is a big deal. This is 2025. This is really not that far down the road at all. I employ a lot of college students, and I can... I can confirm. And we've, we've talked, you know, the rest of our like senior staff are in, are around my age. And mm-hmm. we're like, when I was in school, I, I can't believe I'm even doing this now. Like I'm engaging in your type of talk when I was in school. Yeah. But it's, Look what uh, we've done to Brody. I know yeah. you worked two jobs and went to school and yeah. they're like, gosh, I got class. I mean, I don't know if I can come in or like, yeah. what, what do you do? No, suck it up. Like mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. It's, but then they are like the amount of mental health issues. I, I didn't think I'd have to deal with this much. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, part of it is just like workplace culture and energy, keeping the energy up. But yeah. when, and we're in a small space, but yeah, when their mental health issues affect the rest of the team, mm-hmm. like it's, 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 it's crazy. A, it's a big deal. It's hard. It really is. Mm-hmm. In 2019, um, this Blue Cross Blue Shield Association found millennials suffered from six main behavioral health issues, substance use disorder, major depression, alcohol use disorder, hyperactivity, tobacco use disorder, and psychotic disorder. That last one kind of surprised me, actually. Um, And maybe it shouldn't because... Obviously, as we'll talk about later, you know, there's such a stigma associated with psychotic disorder that those people do not talk about it. They just right. do not. So and how maybe we now we're know? talking about it more. Right. Exactly. So how do these factors impact productivity and work performance? Well, obviously with depression, you've got people that are not motivated. They're sleeping long hours or they're not sleeping at all. They can't focus at work. They really don't want to, they don't want to be with the team, Brody. They don't want to talk to others. They don't want to engage with others. This is a huge one. The next one, trouble making decisions. And I come across this in therapy all All the time. All the time with people, not just with depression, but with anxiety where they're like, Mm -hmm. I can't even decide like what my kid's going to be for Halloween. I go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So decisions that to an average person might not seem that important can Mm -hmm. absolutely like drive people nuts with depression and anxiety. When I suspect there's depression at play, I like to do the Beck depression inventory over the PHQ-9, PQH, whatever it is, just because it goes into more detail. Mm -hmm. And almost every time I do the Beck depression inventory, which is 21 items that covers concentration, memory, and those sorts of things, Mm -hmm. they're surprised. They're like, I didn't know that was a part of depression. Right. I'm like, it's, you know, they just think it's crying and putting the, the, 
you know, blankets over your head. So it's hard. It really, really is hard. And what's hard is that constant rumination and questioning yourself. Like after you've finally made the decision, then, oh my God, what if I made the wrong decision? Right. What if it goes this way? What if I should have done, you know, and so yep. it doesn't end in just even making the decision. Yeah. You just made my chest tight. Sorry. That's okay. Okay. I'm but canceled. imagine living with it, you right. know. And also we're seeing ADHD, so disorganized, losing things, can't focus, trouble multitasking, poor time management, trouble coping with stress, being very impulsive. And again, I don't think it's necessarily that we have more ADHD, but I think we know what it looks like now. And we know that there's um, medication interventions, there's also therapeutic interventions, and there's different ways. But if... As it manifests itself at work, one mm-hmm. of the biggest ways is procrastination. Yeah. You know, and so like- you just can't concentrate. You can't get anything done. You can't. And yeah. if you're interrupted, right. then it even makes it's it worse. worse. Yep. So like, like, for example, you might have an employee, Brody, that has ADHD and they haven't come out and told you that. And you would think when you gave them a task, it should be done in a reasonable period of time. And then you go there and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't done. And so, but they have three other tasks half done on their way to the fourth one that they haven't completed yet. That's pretty common. That's just me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we diagnosed you, Brody. Yeah. Have you been reading my diary? I guess. (laughs) Dear diary. Um, Substance use disorders. They may miss an average of 25 days of work a year, which increases turnover. And this can lead to dangerous work environment. It can lead to on-the-job accidents. So I don't, I mean, is this like they don't give a flying F if they're hungover, if it's Wednesday and I just want to go out and tie one on and... Or are we talking maybe more chronic, do you think? I think this is more chronic with people that are using substances to cope. To cope. And so they're they're really kind of in between the abuse de- dependency yeah. kind of thing. Another thing I'm seeing more of, and maybe I, and maybe it's always been there, but more people in that 25 to 29-year-old age group mm-hmm. that are still living at home, that are unemployed, and a lot of times, and I'm not even making this up, smoking weed in the basement, mm-hmm. playing video games. Right. And if you're like, I can't believe Becky's talking about my kid. <laughs> this could be so many people. It I mean, could be I, so many people. I could list a dozen off the top of my head mm-hmm. without even blinking an eye. Right. So is that new, do you think? Or is this is this some weird thing that's popped up? I think it's a new thing that's popped up because we so didn't have too. video games forever, right? right. They, did, they weren't a thing. Yeah. Like, I think back to my basement as a kid what the hell would I do in the basement? Yeah. There was nothing to do down in the basement. And you know, and be it right or be it wrong, I will tell you right now that Darwin would have hauled my ass by my waistband up the stairs and to whatever job I needed to get. Again, be it right or be it wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how he would have handled that. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting down here. Absolutely not. Get mm-hmm. your ass out there and get a job. I mean, I couldn't even turn on the TV without permission. Right. It, it wasn't, that wasn't a thing. Like that was the last option. If there was a tornado and, you know, nobody was outside playing and you're in, then you're in the basement, yeah. maybe you could watch the TV then. And with, right. you know, otherwise you're outside playing. Yep. So I don't know. And again, I'm not pooping on parents out there. Um, I make parenting mistakes every day. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if that is something that is, is correlated, like, Kids now have an option, a kids, young adults, have an option to not work and stay at home and smoke weed and play video games. 
Well, the only way you have that option is if somebody is funding that option. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was thinking. That's it, what I'm saying. Someone is allowing that to happen. Yeah. And I guess I don't, I don't understand that. I wanted to be out. Like I wanted yeah. to get out of the house and go and do my own thing. I don't know. I don't understand the whole living at home. But. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I give my daughter grace because there was a pandemic. So she came home, but right. she's anxious to get out too. Yep. But in parents' defense, what I'm hearing is these these adult kids that are in the basement, whatever, they're not just smoking weed and playing video games. They're also saying, I have chronic depression, I have anxiety, I have right. panic attacks, I have social anxiety, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of this stuff goes hand in hand. It does go hand in hand. I think the thing that I see as far as parents being frustrated is that's why they're in the basement, but they aren't going to go get help. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see parents very, very frustrated. Okay, you have major depressive, you have anxiety. Um, let's get you on medication. Let's get you in with a therapist. And they're like, yeah, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's really frustrating. It really is. And so, I mean, a great organization for parents for support is NAMI, yep. the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And they have groups for parents because, you know, some of these people were talking about a dual diagnosis and in, in that right. they are abusing sub- substances or addicted, but they also have a mental health issue. Yep. Um, and that's a tricky line for parents to walk. And oh, it is. Be empathetic so and also hard. hold them accountable. Yeah. Regarding substance use disorders, I mean, a couple of other things you see on the workforce, mm-hmm. when your employee shows up and they're crabby AF, mm-hmm. right? Because they have to be sober at work. Mm-hmm. That's what you may be looking at as yep. someone that, you know, is coming off a binge or, mm-hmm. you know, has to be sober at work. The other thing is it can create a really, really dangerous work environment for yes. people because, I mean, I think about farmers, mm-hmm. you know, you're driving huge equipment and expensive yeah. equipment. Yep. Farmers, um, construction workers, doctors, nurses. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's a huge consideration. Okay. So psychotic disorders, you're saying that according to the survey here, millennials are showing up with more delusions, schizophrenia, paranoia on the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is because there is such a stigma associated with this, and there really is, you guys, I don't care what anybody says. There is a mental health pecking order. Yep. Right. You know, like <laughs> that's a really good way to put that. Yeah. There really is. It's yeah. like, okay, well, you can have depression, but God forbid you're bipolar, or yeah. you could be have bipolar, but God forbid you are seeing things, right? right. And that we need to destigmatize that too. There is no packing order. It's just like Mm-mm. different different issues that yeah. everybody has to face. But you know what I'm gonna say to that is that is a human nature thing. Um, years ago I read a book and it was it was about the deaf culture. Mm-hmm. within the deaf culture. Oh, have you been deaf since birth? Oh, then you have no idea. At least you got to hear at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, did you do cochlear implants? So you're turning your back on the deaf culture? I mean, th- it's just crazy how something like that, where you, I mean, or, or mental health or anything where you want to be united mm-hmm. and that's like, I'll help each other. There's the pecking order. Yeah, and that's that's prevalent in the LGBTQ community as mm-hmm. well. So, I mean, maybe we as listeners and as humans in general really need to st- take a step back and just be kind. Right. Just be kind. It's like <laughs> it doesn't have to be a competition for... No. 
you know, can't we all just say we're all just doing the best we can and let's help each other out. And maybe you had it rougher today and maybe I'll have it rougher tomorrow. And who the hell cares? Right. Okay. So regarding the psychotic disorders, what happens is um, many people suffering from this really avoid work because they're not getting the help that they need. You can't be on the job and talking to voices or hearing voices. It's and- so, and I'm, this is, there's no sarcasm here. Mm-hmm. It is so distracting. Right. I, it is really, really, really hard. Um, and because of the stigma, they are not willing to go to their boss and saying, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're not going to be getting support from their employer. Yeah. And a lot of times, so the other side of this, when you have a, a psychotic disorder, is you don't know that you have a psychotic disorder. Right. And so you don't seek treatment because why should you? Mm-hmm. This is just, I mean, the voices you hear, you're not hearing voices like that is real. Mm-hmm. And so it gets really hard for friends and family members to be like, no, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's real to you. But once you can get them in and get some treatment, oh, the treatment's beautiful. It can make such, such a, difference. a huge difference. I so, mean, I mean, just think about it. Like, imagine if you believed someone was literally communicating to you through your television or through a podcast, yeah. they're talking specifically to you. That's right, Daniel. We're talking to you. You are a horrible human. Oh my God. Brody's we never, we never make fun of stuff on this show, Brody. No, what are you doing? I wasn't. I wasn't. I was agreeing with you. Oh God. No one is ever talking. Definitely not right to you. No. Okay. Oh so what happens with these people, if untreated overall, they are spending fewer years working. They are yeah. not, they're just dropping out of the workforce. And what's sad about this is, I mean, people with psychotic disorders can be incredibly great workers and incredibly productive with the right treatment. Right. And there's many treatments available. Mm-hmm. So what what do we need to do to get, get it out there? Number one, like Fran said, let's remove the freaking stigma already. Um, employees do hesitate to ask um, employers for time off to seek care instead of they look for care after hours, which let's be real, there's not a lot. It's mm-hmm. easy to say, I need to go see my doctor today because um, I need my physical or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's harder to say, and I had somebody ask me that just today. How do I say to my boss, I need some time off to go to therapy? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, in a perfect world, you get to just say, I need time off to go to therapy. Right. But just say I have a doctor's appointment and leave it generic if you have to. That that definitely is a, is a good option. But what I would prefer in Fran's little perfect world yes. is employers, if you're listening, talk about it with your employees and be like, hey, if you're suffering from a mental health issue, that's cool. I need to know about it. And yeah. in fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide a secure room so you can go in there during your therapy appointment and Mm -hmm. you can log into your therapist via telehealth. Mm -hmm. It'll be totally confidential. And then you come out, you get back to work. Yeah. Um, And if that's what you choose, if If you you want to go see them in person, then we are going to give you the time off to go see them in person, whether it's once a week, once every two weeks. But we're going to do that because here's the deal, employers, you're going to get a better employee. You just are. Right. You are going to save yourself um, the loss perhaps of an employee, which it costs a lot to replace somebody yes. and then you're training the next person, yep. you know, or you are going to have somebody who just um, is falling apart at work. Yeah. 
So really, if if you really only, if you're heartless and only care about your bottom line, it still makes sense for you to do this for your employees. Mm-hmm. Hey, Becky, where did you get your incredible master's degree in counseling? Well, let me tell you, the same place I got my, amaz- my amazing bachelor's degree, Northern State University. Wow. Did you know that now they offer programs in K through 12 school counseling and clinical mental health and they are KCREB approved? Stop it. Yeah, I'm not lying. KCREB is such a big deal too. It t- totally is. And right now they have a trauma focus, which is a standalone course, not to mention their integrative mental health care class, which get this includes yoga. It includes specific disorders and how to treat them. ADHD, all the cool stuff, even spirituality. No. Yeah. How about aromatherapy? Because you know I love my essential oils. Even that. Yeah. I love it. And the program helps prepare students to take and pass, the, hopefully pass, the licensure <laughs> exams and get national certification. I love that. So if you're interested, contact Northern State University. So what employers can do when we say, like, reduce the stigma Um you know, have somebody in your HR talk about mental health issues, Mm -hmm. have them talk about your employee assistant program. If you don't have one, you might want to consider that. And what is an EAP, Becky? What is it? An employee assistance program. And it varies from the businesses that do offer these services. It varies from employer to employer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get um, four sessions per calendar year. Sometimes you get six sessions per fiscal year and they're paid for by your employer. A common theme with EAPs is they don't very rarely do they know the person has accessed it. Mm-hmm. They get a report at the end of the year that says 14 employees accessed 20 sessions or whatever it might be, and that's all they know. Mm-hmm. And so it is confidential. They're not privy to any of your records at all. So they can't say, oh, we know that Johnny is using his EAP. We'd like to see. Mm-hmm. I can neither confirm nor deny that Johnny's receiving services here. Right. And I, you know, just in the Aberdeen area, Aberdeen, South Dakota, you know, I've had clients come in and they'll mm-hmm. tell me where they're working. And I'm like, okay, are you here on an EAP? And they're mm-hmm. like, what's that? What's that? Right. And so they have no idea they could be accessing that benefit. And it does make a difference because for some people, therapy is expensive. Yes. And so if they know like, okay, if I'm going to get three free sessions or four free sessions, then I'm going to stay with this person. Or I'll space them or whatever. And I know because I have actually done some um, presenting to the Human Resource Association here, Mm -hmm. Human Resource professionals, at least in our neck of the woods, but I'm going to assume in a lot of areas, really do try to get the information out. And so what I would say is maybe there's other ways, Mm -hmm. you know, not just the annual meeting where you say, hey, don't forget you have an EAP plan. So, you know, maybe there's other things that they could do. Maybe putting up some information if you have a common space work area, like a kitchen, or a break room, a yeah. break room, something like that. Bathroom um, stalls. Everybody's got a bathroom stall at the very least. Send it out in an email periodically, like, "Hey, just checking in with everybody. Want to make you make, see, make sure you're okay, and remind you that there are EAPs available if you need some yeah. help or whatever." Or if, like, let's say you're Brody and you know the business is yours, or you're one of the the people that run the business, then break it down to your people underneath you. Hey, don't forget to, as a manager, I need you to say to your assistant managers. And then they say, assistant managers, I need to say to your various teams, don't forget, we have an EAP program. This is what it is. This is how you access it. Mm -hmm. But just do whatever you need to do to get that word out. Mm -hmm. 
so that people can know what it is. Um, you can do mental health screenings, make them more standard. And there's websites where, um, you know, people can go to and do a depression screening, an anxiety screen, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And they can do it online. And again, it's confidential. Um, and the other thing we can do, like I said, I've presented to the human resource place before, mm-hmm. work presentations about, um, I've done um, mental health issues. I've done just stress, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a mental illness, but definitely affects our mental health. And just having somebody come in and make it fun and approachable, um, what resources might be available. And I don't know, Fran, do we know anybody that could do that? I don't know a damn person no. that would do anything like that. <laughs> no. I really don't. Do you know anybody who's been coerced and forced into doing fun and informative <laughs> presentations? Okay, fun is stretching it, but I have been. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, the shrinks will do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it is important to reach out to employees like that. Again, normalizing it and, and having that supportive, cooperative work environment is important. So making it easy as well, telehealth, more EAP sessions, and how to create a strong company culture. Millennials want their work to have meaning and purpose beyond money, which I think is fabulous. They want to hone their talents and their skills and eventually make a difference in the world. And see, this is the good thing about millennials. I think this oh, is a beautiful yes. thing that... We finally found the one thing. Oh, Brody is... Millennials... We can, can we play a little violin for Brody? Oh. Yeah, the smallest one you have, please. jeez. Oh, but seriously, I think it's great that they are not putting work at the top of the food chain. They yes. are more likely to put friends and family and travel and meaningful experiences. Love that. And I think that as employers, it's really important to help them identify like why it matters to do your job. Why is yes. your work meaningful to I you? I hear that from this age group all the time. Mm-hmm. Somebody just tell me why. Right. And again, it's not because they're combative or they're trying to go up against the man. They just really want to know. It's a genuine curiosity. Mm-hmm. What is the result of this? What is the purpose of this? And so take a few minutes and, and let them know what the why is. And it's hard because in some jobs, I mean, I would kind of struggle like why is serving a burger meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. But in a way it is because totally. you may be the only human that person comes in contact with and yeah. makes eye contact with and they've had a shitty day and a shitty yep. life and you just smiling at them and maybe complimenting them or being warm to them mm-hmm. can really make a difference to somebody. Yeah. So let's give a shout out to Garrett right now at the market. Um, <laughs> I'm being totally serious. Mm-hmm. When I go to the market, whether it's for coffee or a glass of wine, I thoroughly enjoy that young man. He, you know, he has been the most interesting hire we've had. We put out an ad on a hiring ad on LinkedIn. And of course he's the only one we got. <laughs> fucking Garrett on LinkedIn. Everybody else, we get all the DGens through Facebook. You got to filter out to find the good ones, but nope. Garrett was right there on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. he didn't know anything about, about beer before he started. And I taught him everything I know. And now, and he just ran with it. Like he like is, ran. The, mm-hmm. is the most go-getter. He just was crowned homecoming. King of um, Northern State, of Northern State University. I asked him, I said, uh, does your, how's your girlfriend going to feel about all this, you know, fame or whatever? He goes, well, Brody, I was uh freshman of the year before I was homecoming king. So oh. she's, she'll be used to it. I'm like, all right, buddy. Okay. And Garrett, your humility also. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, he is, I mean, customer service wise, I, as an employer, 
customer service is so hard to teach. Mm, right. Right. And I know that there are people who I can, I can do it all day long and I can show them how to, yeah. how I want it done, but they just don't have the chops. And so yeah. you either have to just kind of let that go, but at least I don't have to worry about him. Yeah. I, I know there are some people yep. you just don't have to worry about. However, Garrett as a senior in college, yeah. so I don't know what that makes him 22. Yeah. I mean, he might be even out of this age group. Is, yeah. And then there's anomalies to every, but I know. mean, there's an example of, you know, I can go to the market and no matter what sort of day I've had, Garrett's going to be like, Hey, good to see you again. What can I get you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, somebody just said, even if he's just like, it's habit, he's saying good to see you again. But I don't think with him it is. No. Right. I think it's sincere. And I would say that for most of your employees actually too. And so I think what I like to think is that comes back to the why, right? Yeah. And so, and maybe it's just cause I've done a lot of work with it and it's like the Simon Sinek and the start with why. And we, we try to, and we need to do it more consistently, but try to push that yeah, we're a coffee shop and, and sandwich shop and a bar and whatever, but we're really like the civic pride is what drives this whole thing. And right. so we just have to be Aberdeen first and Aberdeen centric and South Dakota and be proud of that. Yep. And, and so I think we can always push that more, but it, at least there is one. Right. Yeah. And I think everybody kind of gets that. And I'm one who could find a why in just about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, for real, I yeah. think every single job that every single person does, whether it's for pay or volunteer mm-hmm. is so incredibly important. It is. And meaningful. It's human to human contact. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, millennials will also go above and beyond so long as there's a strong work culture um, and value in their organization that are aligned with their own motivations. And when I see that, what I hear a lot from people is like, I know I didn't go into this for the money. Mm-hmm. I just wish my boss would sometimes say thank you for picking up the extra shift. Mm-hmm. Or I wish wish my manager would say, wow, you did do a really good job on that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm not going to make a lot of money. And so I, if you're out there, you know, don't forget as an employer or a manager, or whatever you might be, to take a look and authentically thank the people that are doing these things, mm-hmm. you know, don't blow smoke up their ass. If they're not doing a good job, don't tell them they are. Mm-hmm. But if they are, take a nanosecond and do it. And you know what you're talking about, that strong work culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I see with millennials is that they bounce ideas off of each other. They rely on each other. They are more about working together as a group. Mm-hmm. They have more of that camaraderie. They value that. They're used to that. Yeah. And so I think that's really important. Another thing that's very important to millennials is the work-life balance environment. Um, and, you know, honestly, you guys, isn't that what we should all value? Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I look back on my life and I think I've put too much of a priority at times at work. Yes. You know, and it's like there has to be that balance. And I think they get that better than our gen- my generation got it. I mean, I compare like Americans to Europeans in work mm-hmm. ethic. Yeah. You know, Europeans are taking a nap in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Everything's shut down because they know I need a freaking break. And when I come back after my siesta, I'm going to be better functioning. I'm going to be more on top of things. I'm not going to be so fatigued and crabby. I think we could take a lesson from that. I agree. Um, I also think work-life balance has really developed because we have dudes now that really, really want to be hands-on dads. Yeah. And we need, from a therapist's perspective, we Mm -hmm. need to celebrate that. Yes. 
I love that. And it it does matter to them. Like how much time am I going to get off work when we have our first child? And you know, how much flexibility am I going to get when my kid has a soccer game? Mm -hmm. Flexibility to millennials is really, really important. And again, as an employer, don't be so rigid. Like if you have an employee that comes up and says, my kid's got a soccer game at two. So can I work through lunch and have two o'clock be my lunch? And there's no legitimate reason why that can't happen. I mean, sometimes that can't work. Mm -hmm. But if there's no legitimate reason, then let them do it. Don't be like, no, you have to take lunch at 12. But if I do it for one, I have to do it for everybody. I hate that one. (laughs) You know what? I hate that saying more than anything. So if somebody comes up and says, well, I don't have kids, but if Johnny gets to take lunch at two to go to a soccer game, I should get to take lunch at two to get my hair done. No. Mm-hmm. You know, unless it works, then yeah. But, you know, I mean, if she can be gone at two, like whatever. But I don't know. That just drives me bananas. Yeah. All right. A study by Fidelity Investment confirmed a large percentage of millennials claimed they are willing to accept a lower salary if it means they will have a better work-life balance. Wow. Right? Wow. So think about how important that is to them. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, money is just not as important as these other values that they are promoting. I love that. Another thing to keep in mind, employers, these kids, these younger people, I'm not, I have to, I can say that as the grandma on duty here, <laughs> they, can, they know how to work remote. They can do hybrid work. They're very capable of doing hybrid work if it's a possibility. So what I've heard from many of my clients is that during the pandemic, they had to work remote, right? And they liked it. They liked parts of it, Right. right. So what they were hoping was, oh, God, I really hope I could do a hybrid because it works for my family. Mm -hmm. But many of the employers are saying, nope, you have to be back on site full time. And then and then somebody in this age group is going to go explain to me why. Mm-hmm. Not because they're being defiant. They're just curious. Right. And then as the employer, you come back and you say, because. Mm hmm. Stop it. And I was talking (laughs) to one of my daughter's um, friends and he was in this exact situation. And he's like, honestly, during the pandemic, I put in more hours than I ever did on site because I, I was home and I just had access to my computer and I could, I felt like I could throw a lot of load of laundry in. I could go back to work. You don't know what productivity you're going to get from being flexible. So you really need to consider what are the individual characteristics of my employees? It's easier to do this in a smaller business. It is and it isn't. I mean, I know people that work for larger companies and they're given, and this is going into the next thing where we say that millennials are results orientated, um, oriented, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not English today. Um, but give, tell them what they need to do. Does it matter if it's done from eight to five as long as it gets done? Mm-hmm. Is it okay if they do it from noon to seven mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't impact anything else? Right. And so um, be flexible. Give them some control over how and when they work. Don't micromanage. So give them leadership and guidance and let them figure it out on their own, giving them regular feedback and a goal to meet. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, what you're saying is, as an employer, I trust you. Mm. What a concept. Mm-hmm. I've hired you. I've invested time into you. I've invested money into you. Oh, I've yeah. trained you. And, and I trust you. Mm-hmm. Now, if they screw up, then address that. Mm-hmm. But don't just assume that if you give people this flexibility, they're going to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And some will. 
Some will. But in any job, you're going to have those people. And not necessarily this age group. At I any mean, age group. That's you, right. You know, I had a job years ago where one of the ladies I worked with who was would be like my age now, right? So I'm a 20-something. She would have been in her 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that lady cheat on her time card. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was there like, oh, okay, it's 8.02. And I was writing 8.02. She was writing 7.58. And I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Sally, you were not here at seven fifty. Okay, did you say anything? Mm-mm. You didn't. Okay. Oh, I was I was twenty something. No, okay. I, yeah. Just I, I didn't. Went, I didn't and, know that, Becky. Went and did my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Head down, do my job. <laughs> I did not know she that. She scared Becky. me. She scared me a little bit too. Okay. So, so as one of these, I guess I would fall under the flexible employers. Um, I guess I don't. I don't have a metric to. We don't do the, our scheduling is as flexible. I guess, as it, as it can be, I right. people's availability. If you can't work, you can't work. I'm not at this point. We have not forced anybody to come in. Like, this is your shift. You have to be here. Yeah. I don't care what else has happened. Do you uh, tell them then if you can't work, be sure you got, have somebody that can, if work? they're scheduled and something comes up, sure. I, I'll go to that first and maybe, yeah. and, and, but like my, my cook is like every other place I've ever worked in is like, this is your shift and deal mm-hmm. with it. And, oh. and I said, Yep. And yeah. you're not at those places now, are you? Like, right. But we have zero turnover. Mm-hmm. We right. have had the only reason people have left is because they're either they went to school or or they're actually leaving. We've fired mm-hmm. one person. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to think that that kind of environment keeps people right. Oh, like sure. these are the fringe benefits, right? right. Of, yeah. Like, yeah, you're getting paid and and all that. But it's also a really flexible place to work that respects that people have shit going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have shit going on. And so I can bounce in and out. But that is worth its weight in gold, mm-hmm. I believe. I, I think it's it's hard because it once you take that stance. I mean, if if this weekend, for instance, Everybody asked for it off. So guess who's bartending Saturday night? Oh, this guy. Yeah. And it's the kind of the price you have to pay. But knowing that my days are covered and people are are there and I don't have to worry about the constant turnover. Right. If I have to work a couple shifts here, here and, and there, there. Yeah. It's. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So again, recognizing their work. Millennials really value being recognized. And it doesn't have to be like a big deal. But saying thank you. Great job today goes a long ways. And I really have to be mindful of this. I mm-hmm. I mean, I try to do that, but I think that we do get so busy as, you know, in our own day and in our yes. own thing, we just kind of take for granted that everything runs so smoothly at MPPA. You know, right. I can just show up and do my job, really. Right. And so just being more mindful as the employer I need to take that hot minute and just say, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you making my job so much easier. Even if it's just when I come in in the morning, I always like to say, Charlene, thank you for making coffee today. Yeah, I love that. Because I walk in to made coffee. Yes. And that's huge. Yeah. Compliment them on their strengths and encourage them to harness their talents further. Everybody's got strengths. So Mm -hmm. focus on that. Mm -hmm. What's my strength, Becky? You, what are you are, laughing about? God, I'm gonna knock oh him no. You are direct <laughs> and kind and caring, but also honest. I love that about you. Okay, you know what I love about you? Do it. Okay, your whip, smart ass, sense of humor. <laughs> I love that laugh. Do that. I love that. <laughs> I can't even do it, but I freaking love your laugh. Um, I love that you are such an animal mama. 
Oh, yeah. You are. That is such a part of who you are. And mm-hmm. just, you have a mama vibe to you. Like, I just want to <laughs> hug you a lot. I do. You just have a warm mama vibe. I'm laughing because I got that a lot at Northern, yeah. which used to bug me because when I worked at Northern, I was in my early 30s and I'm like, I'm not old enough to be your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also a compliment. Let's let's do Brody. What do we love about Brody? I, well, he's crying right now. There's a little tear <laughs> because he's like, what about me? That's, that's not true. That's- <laughs> Fran, that's because he's a millennial. <laughs> I'm playing games on my phone. Just, you can keep going. That's fine. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. No. Number one, I love. No, we're going to do Brody. Yeah, we are. Number one, Hell I love about Brody. He puts up with us. And you and I are neurotic in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I have to put up with your neuroses. Yeah. You have to put up with my neuroses. Brody, you put up with both of them. I do. That is accurate. Mm -hmm. Yes. What I love about you is you do have a fantastic sense of humor. Yes. You know, even though I bitch, I I like your shit that you dish out on me. I totally (laughs) do. Because it's hilarious. (laughs) Yes, I do. And I do love the fact that you are open to, like, if we confront you on something, like your viewpoint, you're like, I got to think about that. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, you're very, I love that about you. Mm -hmm. I'm not right. I, I don't. I don't get those people who are like, yep, no, this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't understand it. Yeah, I know. But and I for you, it's that. like, that's not a, that's not a strength. That's just me. But yeah. it's a strength. It so really it is. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great in marriages. It's going to go a long way. Okay. Yeah. Someday when I get married, I'll let her know that. Okay. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I got to tell you guys something. I'm not going to tell you what Mark did, but I told him he was canceled. And so <laughs> I'm like, you're canceled oh and I, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. So anyway, so the next day. He calls me and he's like, starts talking. He goes, oh, wait, am I still canceled? <laughs> Was it a hopeful question? Was he hoping a yeah, little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, nope, still stuck. Here we are. <laughs> Never mind. Click. Okay. Encourage collaboration and support of each other. This is really important. Like we talked about two millennials. They like to work in groups. They're used to working in teams. So as an employer... If you have team meetings and you have brainstorming sessions and you're really encouraging, like, I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear collaboration and make that happen. That's valuable to them. They also do well with mentors and coaches. Yeah. They want to learn. They want to learn. And, you know, I'm not saying as an employer, just because somebody has an idea, you have to implement everything they do, but valuing, you know, like, that's a good idea. Let's explore that further. Or... I, I really like the fact that you're creative in your thinking. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to institute it, right? Exactly. So at Northern Plains, a couple of things that we try to do to build this is that we have a group text going. We have a group email going. We try to meet collaboratively in person every so often to share information and ideas. And and I, we haven't always been so great at that. No, we have not. But lately, we've really picked it up in the last year or so, and mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I do, too. I really appreciate it. I do. I love to hear other people's ideas and viewpoints. Mm-hmm bounce things off of each other. Because right. even though we all work under the same roof, if we're all happen to be in the office, um, we may never see each other. Right. Right. We're just holed up in our separate little offices. Mm-hmm. Just farting in your own little offices. <laughs> you guys, that's not funny because I swear my office smells like farts. I was going to have Sherry come in there today. Did you? Well, the, we I know why. I know. I, haven't. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Had I been farting, it would be legit. <laughs> in their office and that's, then calls the office that's manager a great says, prank though what is what that? Is i that? know what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god is something being piped in from the ceiling <laughs> i 
really did. I really did. Oh, is there I, a rat in the vent? I didn't what know is if happening? It was me. Like, I haven't been farting, but I'm like, do I smell like farts? Like, I was really, you guys you can tell me. You did not ask for help. You did not have the office manager smell your office. No, I didn't. And you know why? Because I had a salad for lunch, which had onions. And I'm like, well, I can't have her in here now because it just smells like onions. You guys, this was a rough day, not knowing if my office smells like farts. I had the doTERRA oils going. Oh, my God. I've got that giant can of Febreze. You're welcome to use at any point in time. There's a story I have to tell right here. And that is, we have a colleague by the name of Bob who um, is one of the sweetest men you will ever meet Mm -hmm. and does not like gas. Does not like to talk about farts. You can joke about so many things. Yes. So many things. You cannot joke about farts. He doesn't want to joke about farts. He doesn't want to hear about farts. Well, he was supervising one of our now colleagues, whose also name is Becky. And um, I had said to Becky, oh, it started because he had one of those pens that would shock you. Mm-hmm. And he would say, hey, Becky, can you need to take a look at this? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, if you want to write it down. And then I'd grab the pen and get yeah. shocked. And I would, oh. And so he, he got me twice with that. Uh-huh. So I went on Amazon and I ordered a remote fart sound machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I put it in the, I put the, the speaker in the ceiling tiles and I recruited Becky and I said I need you to go in there and pretend like you just have really really bad gas mm-hmm. and Bob and I at the time um, our offices <laughs> shared a wall so I could sit there and listen and then I would press the button you push the button through the wall yeah I, it's, uh- it's, it's, it's literally remote <laughs> So I'm in my office. I'm listening to, well, actually, it was around the corner. I was listening to the supervision. Oh I pressed God. the button and she'd be like, oh, yeah, my husband and I had just, we had really bad Mexican and it's just like, and then they would talk and I'd press it again and she'd be like, I am so embarrassed. And so this went on for probably like five minutes. And then he's like, you know, if you need to go to the bathroom, I completely understand. So office staff and I had to quick disperse because we're out there like, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. Oh, my God. And then she She's like, I couldn't do it anymore. I had to leave. Like, I couldn't keep a straight face. He was so pissed off. He, he is. He's totally offended. And we always joke that he's, yeah, he's the most sensitive one on staff. But I did the same thing in a meeting with him where I, I faked farting. And he stopped the meeting. He said, are you passing gas? And I'm just, I just looked at him like, what? He said, did you pass gas? Get out. Get out. He kicked me out of the meeting. And I wasn't passing gas, but it was funny as hell. I was ripping ass. So what you're saying is, if you need to get rid of Bob, just rip one. Just lift a leg. And yeah, exactly. If you are still listening and (laughs) through all of this nonsense, we just want to say thank you. And we're the shrinks. And that's a wrap.